So we enter into the fifth chapter, the destiny of the individual, and uh, we will see that how they are sliding into each other. Because someone may feel, what has this got to do? Reality omnipresent, suddenly destiny of the individual. Not destiny of the individual, the destiny of the individual. So it changes the perspective a little bit. Now this is my own understanding of these two words, fate and destiny. Fate is whatever actions create and it has to do with the scenes that we meet and encounter in life. Somebody has a fracture, oh, his misfortune, his fate was not good. Somebody sits on the throne, oh, what a fate he has got. Somebody wears a crown of thorns, see, what a mixed thing, like that. But destiny, to my understanding, has to do with the destination, where we will finally arrive. So we are sitting in a train and most of us are like people who have somehow sat on the train based on whichever train maximum people are going. And if somebody was to ask us, where are you going? I don't know. But you are sitting in the train. Okay, let's ask somebody else. So he also says, I don't know. Why? Because everybody seems to be having a liking for this train. Now imagine if we do it actually, who will, what will we be labeled as? That here are people who are sitting in a train not knowing where the train is going, where they are supposed to go, but they are going according to what is called in Hindi as the Bedjal, flock of sheep, so wherever it goes. For a long time that is how we operate, till a time comes we begin to wonder. Let me find out. Where is the train going? And nobody seems to know except the driver and the guard to whom we have no access because if you go even between the bogies, you don't have an access. We are seeing stations. Some stations are very nice. Everything is available. Some stations, you don't even get a cup of tea. So that's how we have different events that meet us on the road. So destiny is about the final consummation of our humanity and here it is as individuals not just as a mass so slightly we will come to that but to start with in chapter 1 Shobindo has very clearly told us what at deepest level we know but we fail to see what is our aspiration it is for terrestrial perfection whatever we may say even after hearing the Mokshwadi lecture that there is all life is an illusion. When we come back, if the dal is not fried well, we have a problem. And if the husband is fighting, there is a problem. Why? If all is an illusion, what is the problem? It's all an illusion. Even when we are told all individuality is illusory, still we have a problem. No individual is there. It is intuitively inbuilt within us. We are programmed. As it were, this is an aspiration which persists. Whatever else we may hear, whatever else may be impressed upon us, this, this idea of terrestrial perfection persists. And perhaps it is this reason why, again, in my view, Sanatana Dharma refuses to die. Why it refuses to die? It answers to this need. See, we have so rich gods, goddesses, everywhere God is there, in everything. Before birth, God is there. During the conception, God is there. Childbirth, God is God, you can't get rid of God, you know, in everything he enters. So, the richness and the fullness which you find here, always will in the end continue to appeal mankind. In dancing there is God, science there is God, technology there is God, <laughs> studying there is God. So it, it, it is how life will ultimately unfold, how much ever we may deny. So human aspiration is for terrestrial, imperfect, terrestrial perfection. So in that mankind has taken two roots. One is the root of the materialist 
who tries to explore the powers of nature material nature to make life perfect here upon earth and he ends up with industry science technology artificial intelligence and he starts saying what you are doing i am the one who is doing see i have made life perfect and god sits on his rocking chair sitting quietly okay you have your own chance he loves freedom so after 100 200 years man starts complaining to god why are you doing this to creation he says are you decided i don't exist so i said okay i am hiding myself you said that materially we will make with industry and science life perfect i said cool go ahead my child so now we see that we are returning to our primeval longings we are satiated but not satisfied so this is what has happened so materialist reaches a dead end before which there is nothingness and as shubhendu says if we stretch the logic to its extreme it robs us of the very any purpose of life at least in my life during mbbs this was my existential dilemma in fmc we had a group of people who in pune there was this joint joint i don't know many people know they don't know it was a place where people got this now it is cannabis okay so there were a group of children very intelligent children but they went into that direction and uh, uh, most of us sadhu bachcha sadhu not so sadhu but parental upbringing and all no no this is something bad and but i used to wonder if you know everybody say life is pure matter matter chemical then actually these people are more intelligent they are really intelligent because what they are doing is the correct choice if life is simply uh, matter and chemicals so it's okay it's dust dust is better they are enjoying life and going into dust so it was very frightening to see that what is the option then i read all this spiritual literature and then ultimately moksha i said this is uh, as meaningless very selfish people are suffering and you say i want moksha this is not done god can't ask us to do something selfish that time i didn't know about you know what shirobindo how he um, explains beautifully So I said this also I can't do. So where am I? I was caught between materialism and spirituality. Say <laughs> so I okay, I'll become a good human being. Let's try to become a good human being. I realize now it is as difficult. <laughs> Nevertheless, so materialist leads us nowhere. Then ascetic, ultimately in pursuit of that ultimate reality, he enters into that what is called a non-being. He goes beyond cosmos. beyond cosmos there are two statuses if we want to say of one divine one when the one is leaning toward the cosmos and manifests sachidanand with him we can relate but the other where he is absorbed into himself and you can't connect with anything so that is a non being so the ascetic in his extreme goes into non being now this also leaves us nowhere if that is the end point but many people have made it the end point they say that well merger into non being moksha nirvana that is the ultimate goal of life and it's very sad to see today also i see people from sanatan claiming to be speaking on behalf of sanatan dharma speaking of moksha as the ultimate goal moksha is a step it is not the ultimate goal that's the beauty moksha is freedom from ignorance to know who we are and who we are that's what our great scriptures tell us who we are in our deepest reality the scriptures tell us tattvamasi you are that that sun there and this here sohamasmi we are one it's such a powerful statement that the divine reality which is in the cosmos beyond cosmos is also in the individual and i can discover and become one with him now this is a very exciting adventure greatest that man can ever take to become one with the divine with that consciousness with that reality and then the next thing is that okay so if everybody will become one with the divine life is cool no that that's there where the beauty comes of again sanatan dharma 
in multiplicity also he enjoys so in each one he is unfolding in his own unique way no two leaves are alike on the same branch and in the same one species we see there is a place for the loud rose drawing attention and there is the space there is the space also of the humblest of all grass without which there would be no garden there is a space for everything each must follow its own eternal unfolding so that's what we read last time uh, yesterday reality omnipresent it has two sides the passive and the dynamic so there are people who say god is in all things but their idea is of a passive god what is he doing he is a witness some make him a witness and an accountant which is quite a horror bhagwan sab dekh raha you know bhagwan aise nahi dikh raha sab dekh raha when god sees he is seeing himself you ask him who are you seeing dekho please see he is such a papi god will say i am seeing myself don't worry about it i have to correct myself there in the manifestation i am doing what needs to be done mother says that the divine mother never judges and never condemns the other idea of god is a witness is he is the sarva sakshi sarva bhoktaram he is sitting quietly and watching this play unfold without judging without anything it's unfolding why it is unfolding well don't ask this question this is the ultimate mystery but nowadays children don't accept this you tell them don't ask this question now they want to know the answer you can't tell them because our grandparents did this and the fathers did it we know they want to ask the questions so we would ask okay you are there present in all things what are you doing what is all this so he will say i am not only the being i am also the becoming don't disconnect mahabharat from vyas vyas will always be greater than the mahabharat but mahabharat is none else but vyas expressing something of himself that is how this creation has to be understood and we can equally say shurabindra and the mother will always be greater than all their works and the ashram and everything yet the ashram is nothing else but the mother and shurabindra extending themselves it's their body this their word body and that's how one understands things so being is becoming the divine is unfolding expressing himself why is he expressing that will come later let's not uh, skip the suspense <laughs> it is a beautiful journey so being is becoming being is the divine and becoming is this uh, changing mutable existence so okay then what we should do what should be our goal our goal should be ideally aligned to this becoming i must tune myself to that unfolding of the divine urge within us now this is come in very interesting way only nowadays children start saying i want to follow my calling is so beautiful they don't use the word god inside me his they you don't use the word divine will but they say i want to follow my calling it's the same thing spoken in another way so this is the destiny the destiny is fundamentally the divine unfolding in creation and in each individual in his own unique way taking us through many levels layers because everywhere it is the same unfolding reality omnipresent means on all the planes of consciousness appropriate to that plane the divine reveals himself so that's why we also have in upanishad 10 mahavidya on the topmost level when you stand on the highest tier and uh, fortunate enough grish by the grace of the divine mother one sees the vision of the divine mother so he said tripur sundri all the beauty of all the worlds contains the not such is that beauty but if you tumble down 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 enter into the very dust and darkness of matter there also she is there and she is there as dhumavati she has put her, her all the darkness around her when you go to the highest mountain peaks she is gauri gauri is fair effulgent no racism here here fair and dark has nothing to do with color of skin but fair representing that which has become purified of all dross and dust but if you go down the same gauri reveals herself as kali now kali is of violent deeds <laughs> she doesn't that's why all the asuras rakshasas though they are scared of her still they will worship 
kali because ultimately they get power from there so this is the entire on all the planes the divine is present in his own it's a reality omnipresent and therefore when we speak about the divine manifesting in us it depends on the plane of consciousness where we are and that's why we said yesterday that that's why it is said in the gita that the knower he who knows he does not divert distract or confuse the intellect of those who do not know what does it mean anybody and everybody no no god is the goal better you know you join an ashram no people have to go through their own unique way and there also divine is leading because there is no eternal hell even if there was divine would still be there and if he is there hell is heaven <laughs> that's how one has to look at it so with this background we enter into this chapter 5 the destiny of the individual there is a very very beautiful quote from the ishopanishad one of my favorites by the very cryptic um, phrase by the ignorance they cross beyond death and by the knowledge enjoy immortality avidyam mrityum tirtva vidyam amritam ashnate and then of course shubindo uh, skips the next uh, line of that uh, shloka which is so how exactly we should lead life vidyan ch vidyan ch yast dvedo bhayam saha so he goes into next shloka is about sambhuti birth and non birth birth in the um, uh, indian sanatan dharma sense is limitation that's why when Uh, birth we celebrate and pray why because the soul has chosen to limit itself it is still divine that's why we used to say when a child was born krishna and uh, every girl was supposed to be lakshmi but this lakshmi may be a very naughty lakshmi and this krishna may be completely like kansa yet the birth is of that infinite consciousness assuming a human form that's birth limitation even the divine the cosmos are born gods take birth in the sense their limitation so the next is about that by the non birth they cross beyond death and by this birth by the birth enjoy immortality so how is it that by ignorance we cross beyond death the experience of ignorance is required this world is not a meaningless accident and by experience why this is required it's like we take that child enters into nursery class and parents have conceived the conception is first here my child should fly the spacecraft imagine you know so will any parent tell kindergarten child no, no, no you i'll take you to the nasa and they'll fix you in the spacecraft no after he has gone through all the steps and stages finally let us say he becomes an astrophysicist or a or a pilot and eventually goes to nasa does he remember all these experiences no but they were necessary it's not that schooling is necessary i am not saying that but they have to go through all the experiences through which he becomes ready to fly the spacecraft that's why this field this gymnasium universe which has been made we cannot run away or escape into non beings even that will not be allowed to us it's not as easy as uh, i can just do meditation and arrive at nirvana first practice nishkam karma <laughs> nirvana will walk into us as shivinda says when the time is there so that's why we have to go through the doors of death several times through this process of ignorance schooling of ignorance till we arrive we cross beyond death there is no more why there is no more death because there is no more ignorance and then by vidya vidya is oneness avidya is multiplicity then we live in that oneness and when we are in that oneness it doesn't matter whether we take a human birth or we don't take a human birth because we enjoy immortality even when we are born we are conscious of the oneness that's what it means and the chapter beautifully takes us to that point starting with an omnipresent reality is the truth of all life and existence whether absolute or relative whether corporeal or incorporeal whether animate or inanimate whether intelligent or unintelligent so everywhere we can see this secret 
oneness and behind it a consciousness and wisdom that is operating in creation omnipresent reality and then on the next page shobindu says that an unknowable which appears to us in many states and attributes of being in many forms of consciousness in many activities of energy this is what mind can ultimately say about the existence which we ourselves are so that's why in india we have this strange thing any god you pick up why god you pick up a stone shaligram okay no shaligram pick up a stone anywhere and you start worshiping it saying this is shiva it can take you to the absolute because ultimately this is the logic even a human being at one place shubindu goes on to say even the human defects of a guru does not matter that's why the injunction was guru brahma guru vishnu guru devo maheshwara guru sakshat par brahma tasmai shri guruve namaha why because if that is the attitude then nothing matters that will take you because in every one there is this strange unknowable through various ways and forms peering into us and therefore he says few lines below if in our haste to arrive at a unity that our mind can seize and hold if in our insistence to confine the infinite in our embrace we are on page 39 we identify the reality with any one definable state of being however pure and eternal with any particular attribute however general and comprehensive with any fixed formulation of consciousness however vast in its scope with any energy or activity however boundless its application and if we exclude all the rest then our thoughts sin against its unknowableness what a powerful means i can reach the supreme through shiva krishna or even through a stone or through anything but if i say this alone is the root if i stop at one particular formation shiva alone is the god of gods then there is a problem because i am excluding all others so then we sin that means i know it i know that he is form is shiva no that's what we see how meera when she is uh, goes out of her palace the first thing happens in her life is her favorite idol of krishna golden idol is stolen away and she cries she say everything you snatched from me but this my soul support and then krishna appears and says oh your soul support is that and who am i she says why who says you do you know krishna she says no then he reveals himself in all his glory all his greatness you see shobindu's two poems on krishna and the second one in critics all he loves all he moves all are his all is he what a wonderful vision so while through anything and everything in every activity he is manifesting but if we limit that only through this puja we will reach god only by this method we will reach god only by this form of meditation by this mantra we will reach then we have actually sinned against unknowableness we have limited him he is everywhere and in everything and he can use anything seemingly the most dis- uh, insignificant and the entire spiritual history of mankind is a witness to that jagai madai uh, magai then of course augustine paul of saul of tarsius all these many examples which are shining example that he can seize any moment anywhere he can use the battlefield to reveal himself so we can't limit him so those who say no 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 you don't uh, violence is against the divine that's not how indian thought looked at it everything can be at the service of the divine every activity that nature has created can be in the service of divine and express the divine provided we can discover behind it the divine truth and the divine sense but exclude it from all others then it is incomplete so this is what he is revealing to us here and that's why he says the vedantic seers in the upanishad they went on when they discovered sat so you see in many certain 
religion, spiritual path. This is Sat Purush. That is ultimate. Vedantic seers says, no, we want to go beyond. So they went and created a Sat. That Asat is not uh, uh, opposite. It's not about Asadoma Asat. Not that. That is inconscient. But that of which nothing can be said. Nothing can define him. Or it or that. So they went beyond. That's why we see in Rig Veda when the creation starts in that tenth mandala, it starts with that. And it says that even the gods don't know him. Gods are not there. Who can say about him? Which has been unfortunately interpreted uh, or misinterpreted as Nasadiya Sutra, meaning thereby that uh, it's about uh, Nastik. No, it's not about Nastik. The Rishi is saying that who can say about him? Neither the gods nor we. Who can say who is he? It is not about Nastik. It is about keeping always the sense of the unknowable beyond. That there is something even further and none can say about it. Don't define it. That's what mother also says when she was asked what is truth. Because she has written cling to truth. So everybody started writing. See mother, you have said cling to truth but that fellow he is in falsehood. So mother says everybody finds the other person in falsehood. Why? Because that person is non-vegetarian, therefore he is in falsehood. Another person has a friend, therefore in falsehood. She says, they are just thinking. <laughs> then she laughs. What can I do? I have only written cling to truth. <laughs> so, people even went to remind her. See, Ma, Shurabindu has written, Do not imagine that truth and falsehood can stay together. But mother, see, you are letting it stay together. Like, Imagine. So mother laughs, <laughs> she says. So the disciples at the end, she says, Mother, then what is truth? And the mother says, If you are sincere, it will reveal itself in your heart. But the moment you define it, you will lose it. It may be fine for you at this stage, truth is revealing in a certain way. But if you think that in everybody, it must reveal itself in the same way. And see, if we understand this, all the quarrels will be gone. If we understand, if we allow that, that in each one it must manifest and help each other in its manifestation. We may say, what about things which openly seem to be in a dharma? Don't worry, it is bound to collapse because this creation is held by dharma. Everything is given a time. And if it runs contrary to the tide of time, it is destined to collapse. It is inbuilt in the nature of things. How it will happen, we don't have to worry about it. So, this is how he reveals. On page 40, from the first line, Yet, if we exclude the field of that ignorance, if we get rid of avidya as if it were a thing, non-existent and unreal, then knowledge itself becomes a sort of obscurity and a source of imperfection. We become as men blinded by a light so that we can no longer see the field which that light illumines. One of the common ways that this confusion comes when people say everything is done by the mother. It starts by everything that is done in the ashram, mother is doing it. So we have no role. We are excused from all that. We have to make our own choices. Then it extends to the world. Logically, just imagine everything is done by the divine. It is a profound truth. But if you have not gone through the field of ignorance, don't understand the divine play in the field of ignorance, then there will be great confusion if we take this logic. So that's why he's saying, when we understand this field and understand how it is unfolding in each one in different spaces of time, then we will understand it correctly. Avidyam, Mrityum Tirtva. Otherwise, we will be the cause of much confusion in disorder if we indiscriminately say all is God, all is good, all is divine. It is true. But unless we have gone through this field and arrived there, if we try to mentally do that, then we will create confusion. As I said yesterday, don't embrace the snake saying that you are Vasuki. Uh, Vasuki is anaconda. Only Shiva can handle him. So, if you are Shiva, by all means do it. If you are identified with something of Shiva. But Krishna will not allow you. He will say, look, takshak bhi hota hai. Don't start treating every snake as possible. Krishna is leading the world march. 
So this is how he says we have to go through the field of ignorance to discard it, cut it off prematurely. That's not the path. It is by progressive enlargement in Ishaupanishad uh, commentary. Shobindo writes one place. It is by progressive enlargement of the field of ignorance that we arrive at the what we, he he would say as moksha through a widening of oneself, not by some shortcut. So this is where. He is revealing us. And then we come to some very powerful lines now, page 41. Very powerful line. Life, it's somewhere in the middle. Life exists in Brahman in order to discover Brahman in itself. What a marvelous line. Life is discovering Brahman in itself by its own terms. What does it exist by? It's in Brahman. This straight we can see in Ishupanishad, you know, when it is said that Tasmin Rapo Matarishwa Dadati, the force of life is established in the waters that flow from the one. That's where, that's why it can become divine. Otherwise, if life has its own independent uh, journey, somehow it has managed to form in matter, then this life cannot become divine. Its origin is divine. It has come here to discover divine through its own play. Khel khel mein. So we see that Shurabindo sitting majestically. That is one mood of divinity. The mother playing tennis. And that divinity comes through what we would normally call as a game. Is another mode of divinity. And we must know both. It cannot be just one sided. So, therefore, man's importance in the world is... So, what is our importance? It seems our degree has no value, it seems. <laughs> our <laughs> bank balance has no value, very sad. <laughs> but good for most of us. <laughs> so, what is our value? What is our importance? Therefore, man's importance in the world is that he gives to it that development of consciousness in which its transfiguration by a perfect self-discovery becomes possible. Two things. To discover oneself and one's highest self. This one work. Second is progress towards perfection. It doesn't matter how, which way. And that's where one understands that, you know, how profound was Lao Tse saying, how profound are these saying that let life blossom like a flower. But ask anybody in the society, ah, I know, that's why children are losing their... Focus. What is should be their focus? Studies, do well, carry home bags. So sometimes I, you know, children parent conflict. So nowadays children are asking when Papa say, You are not studying, you are not doing. So they ask, Papa, you ki kya banke? <laughs> you know, Papa doesn't know what to reply. Because it's not about that. It's good to study to develop your mental. It's a one way of self discovery. When we read physics, it should be self-discovery. Aha! When we read chemistry, it should be self-discovery. Biology should be self-discovery. Not something to gain marks. Art should be even more so self-discovery. Music should be self-discovery. And there is a way to engage the child that he discovers himself through all these. We have different parts and we... Sports, another kind of self-discovery. So it's about self-discovery and progress. That's what is our importance. And if we don't, cannot do it, then whatever be our place, as that's why Shubhinda says, uh, well-known or unknown has no importance from the point of view of yoga. One person earnestly and sincerely pursuing the path of yoga is much more important than a thousand well-known persons. So it's not about that, it's about self-discovery and progress. That's what we are here about. And in each one, unique way life is unfolding. If we get rid of these mental concepts, life would be so beautiful if we only understand that progress and unfolding. These are important. But if we understand it, life would be so beautiful. And then comes the master line. To fulfill God in life is man's manhood. Manhood is not about how much I have accumulated. Manhood is how I have fulfilled God in life. Life is here given to us for that. 
And life means all its activities, all its relations, all the energies. Life is constantly engaged in 101 things and in everything to fulfill God. See, that's what the story about the three men. One person, all are doing the same work, cutting stones. And he asks, what are you doing? One person says, oh, kitni garmi hai, pondicherry mein patthar uthana pada. It's so hot. I'm sweating and I have to lift these stones. Oof. He says, is, uh, this man is so looking. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Goes to the second one. What are you doing? He is also doing the same. He says, ah, wipes the sweat and he says, you know, I am earning money. These people give me good money. But I am looking for an opportunity elsewhere where I can have better money. He says, okay. Third person, he says, don't disturb me. I am engaged in something very beautiful. What are you doing? Same thing. He says, no, no, you don't understand. But aren't you lifting stones? He says, no. What are you doing? I am building a temple. Matri Mandir. Just imagine how in this summer, when you read the story of how Matri Mandir was built, how people came with all the barren land and how they were working, now it is all built. So it becomes another problem that everybody wants everything to be walk into a utopia. But ask of those who worked and read how Mother guided them. So that's where to fulfill God in life is man's manhood. He starts from the animal vitality and its activities, but a divine existence is his objective. So this is how it goes. <clears throat> and then he says something very beautiful, which is again so, we all observe it. Now, when people uh, say to be a nationalist, you don't have to discard the family. It is there, but there is something greater. To be a world citizen, you don't have to discard the nation. That's the beauty. They each have their place in the totality of things. But we like to discard. It's either this or that. And then he gives the example. When life blossoms, does it discard matter? Or does it pick up matter and makes it rich with the breath of life? When mind develops... Does it discard life? Can a thinker say, oh, now I am a thinker. I don't eat, I don't drink. Can a spiritual person say, there is only Shivoham, Shivoham. You tell him, okay, we'll see in the evening when Puri is kept before you. So that Puri, Puna, changes into this Puri, which he wants to. <laughs> Everything has its own place, but you have to connect. So when if the difference is when there is a spiritual man and you put puri, he turns it into prashad. After that he eats. Diabetes or no diabetes. It's a prashad. It's coming from the divine mother. <laughs> so, and he not like, okay, by greed and let me finish all. Or I want it every day. That should not. But there is, so life and body are not discarded because the mind develops. So also, when the spiritual man develops, he does not need to discard mind and life and body. He rather uses it. The spiritual man will use the mind, logic, thinking capacity, everything at the service of the divine. He will not say, no, no, I don't need to. You know, spirit is higher. So that's why sometimes when, you know, in ashram, I used to hear with some people, oh, he is an intellectual. You know, somebody will say, oh, what a praise. But it may not be a praise. It may be just an intellectual, you know. I am a spiritual man because I am silent, I don't speak. Not like that. Everything has to be taken up, enriched, ennobled, made beautiful. That's what is the purpose of creation. That's why we see it's a unique ashram. Many ways. One of them is the number of activities of life that are allowed. And maybe there would have been many more. For example, the mother wanted a studio, cinema studio. Somewhere in the lake. She had even given a motto for it. But nobody came forward. She wanted people to, you know, how much forward looking. She wanted us to, we should make our own films. Can you imagine? And express that at the service of beauty and truth. So, but then of course, uh, what didn't happen, didn't happen. Or maybe it, it is happening now, somewhere or the other, these things will happen. 
because this is the thought of God. So he says that same page, but if in passing from one domain to another, we renounce what has already been given us from eagerness for our new attainment, if in reaching the mental life, we cast away or belittle the physical life which is our basis or if we reject the mental and physical in our attraction to the spiritual, we do not fulfill God integrally nor satisfy the conditions of his self-manifestation. That's why people can't understand why there is gym and physical education, all this there. Because they keep coming looking for meditation hall. They will be disappointed when they don't find a meditation hall. And somebody needs to tell them that here everything is supposed to be done in a state of meditation, which is difficult to understand because everybody is looking for a two and a half hours meditation at Brahma, during Brahma Mohurtha time. So, this is how um, the next page he says, we climb, page 42, we climb ill if we forget our base, not to abandon the lower to itself, but to transfigure it in the light of the higher. To which we have attained is true divinity of nature. And we actually see when animal life, humanity has evolved. For example, let's take one of the activities which is regarded as the most carnal and banal, which is right from the root chakra, which is sexuality. In animal it is about reproduction, having a child. That's what it is meant for. Now look at in human being, having a child is not just about having a child. It's so many more things. The same activity gets uplifted in us. I am taking this extreme example. But there are many other examples of much more easy to connect things. Whether it be in the field of knowledge, poetry, music. Everything is lifted to another level altogether. Animals also love, they care. Many of them do more than what human beings can do. But a human being with a psychic touch has a different quality of care altogether. A care which is not just about the physical body but about the totality of the being. So all this we have to take up the lower into the higher. And then on the same page 42, just as we need not give up the bodily life to attain to the mental and spiritual, so we can arrive at a point of view where the preservation of the individual activities is no longer inconsistent with our comprehension of the cosmic consciousness or our attainment to the transcendent and supracosmic. So we need to, we can't say that, oh, now I am given to divine, I don't care what may happen to me. I will drive the scooter leaving both the hands and go on the road. Are at least think of the other people if not for yourself. I will take off all my clothes because I don't belong to myself when I become a digambar. Please don't do it. It's not good for others. It may not be pleasant to sight. Forget about yourself. You may be. Do it in your cave. But when you are walking on the road, it is not a pleasant thing. All kinds of people are watching who may have different kinds of feelings aroused inside. So we must be very careful that he does not disturb the balance of creation by this kind of madness. Which may be individually justified. And yet we must understand that no individual is, if he thinks he is separate, that doesn't exist. He is distinct and unique but not separate. He is connected with the all. So every individual is collect, connected with everybody else and with the entire creation and with the transcendent. So this is the truth he will reveal to us subsequently in the next page where we talk about escape. So the sense of humor everywhere comes. Page 43 But who then profits by this escape? Not the supreme self for it is supposed to be always an inalienably free, still silent, pure. You go and tell that supreme self, finally I have escaped. Is as silent, still pure. What does it matter? Another river coming and merging with the ocean. Sri Ramakrishna would give the example of the Hathi elephant. A flea comes and settles into its ear. It says, may I make house in your ear? Elephant is moving like this. It sees his sanction. After some time it wants to leave. It says, may I leave now? It doesn't matter to the elephant. 
So he says, who profit by this escape? Not the supreme self. And then he says, not the world, for that remains constantly in the bondage and is not freed by the escape of any individual soul from the universal illusion. It is the individual soul itself which affects its supreme good. Now look at the punch. Which escapes, affects its supreme good by escaping from the sorrow and the division into the peace and the bliss. And then he says something very beautiful which comes toward the end. Therefore we arrive at the escape of an illusory non-existent soul from an illusory non-existent bondage in an illusory non-existent world as the supreme good which that non-existent soul has to pursue. For this is the last word of the knowledge. There is none bound, none freed, none seeking to be free. This, those who don't believe in reality of an individual soul. There are movements. Shuddha Advaita is like that. Pyavur Advaita, the way it is understood. It's just a, you know, it's the ego, ahankar. Purusha is only one. Shankya talks about multiple Purushas. And then there is another kind of Buddhist. Don't believe in an individual soul. Then who, who is escaping from what? From the field of illusion. <clears throat> and then on next page again. He gives us nice punches. The individual soul can only cut the knot of ego by a supreme act of egoism. An exclusive attachment to its own individual salvation which amounts to an absolute assertion of its separate existence in Maya. These were the things when I had read, I said, ah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> because this was my feeling. This, is a, this, is, this kind of escape is selfishness. And Shubhindu says, yes, it is a supreme selfishness. You are cutting the knot of the ego by supreme egoistic effort that you want to escape from the world in this way. And therefore, we must accept the many-sidedness of the manifestation even while we assert the unity of the manifested. This is Vidyancha, Vidyancha. Yes, the Dvedambhivahamsa. In everything, through everything, they, the divine is manifesting through its own unique law. That's why in India, dharma is so wide. There is the dharma of the child, dharma of the adult, dharma of the married, dharma of the unmarried, dharma of the retired man and dharma of the animal and dharma of the, everything has its own law of folding, unfolding of that truth. And one needs to understand it. So this is how the vyapak, the more... And then he gives that beautiful sense on page 45 as we come toward the close of this chapter. That what is this liberation? This liberation is to free oneself from ignorance. It is required. But this liberation's purpose is for this liberty, this truth in which a person has arisen to spread horizontally into this entire creation and not to simply escape into the absolute then it would have no meaning but if it is like a medical doctor if I give that example learns with great pain medicine and becomes a doctor not that becoming a doctor is a big thing there were healers who were much better but anyway he becomes a doctor let's say then you ask him sir please come and treat the patient no I can't go into that field that patients treating patients very dirty Sir, but you have become a doctor. Yes, I have become a doctor for myself. Meaning thereby, I will treat myself when I have illness. Sir, what about others? No, that is all illusion. Illness is an illusion. I have discovered that still. Now, somebody would say, but, or somebody who learns the best music, highest music from Shiva himself, but refuses to sing and share that delight. There is that story of Pandit Jasraj. In one of the temples, I am forgetting the place and the function. He was called to sing. And then there was a people going into the line and he thought, uh, should I sing and then go uh, for the darshan or should I have darshan? All this was going on in his head. And then he had a vision of Krishna. Krishna tells him, let others go and see me there. For you, your song is my worship. He's documented it in his own. This is your worship. You don't have to go anywhere. 
and when you sing many hearts will be lifted up in worship see how he has extended that delight into others i'm not saying whether he was liberated or not but i'm just saying the same principle applies the liberation of the individual soul is therefore the keynote of the definitive divine action before that also it is taking place but for the definitive it is the primary divine necessity and the pivot on which all else turns it is the point of light in which, at which the intended complete self manifestation of the many begins to emerge but the liberated soul extends its perception of unity horizontally as well as vertically its unity with the transcendent one is incomplete without its unity with the cosmic many and that lateral unity translates itself by multiplication a reproduction of its own liberated state at other points in the multiplicity that is the way a divine being acts and so beautifully shobindo speaks of this in kena upanishad in kena upanishad toward the end comes this uh, idea of rasa suddenly you know that the person who is liberated what is one of the sciences that is full of rasa no don't uh, defer sweetness and joys natural state of the person and then shobindo enlarges it upon it in his commentary he says this rasa is what draws others to him and this is the rasa which he shares with others so he is like the person holding the pot of nectar which he has gathered with great difficulty with this tapasya and quite naturally he is sharing this nectar with others my spirit's liberty i ask for all and this where we understand shobindo and the mother and you know how they have shared their delight and their wisdom with all 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 of us therefore oh one line earlier very powerful line the divine soul reproduces itself in similar liberated souls as the animal reproduces itself in similar bodies so when we turn towards shirvind and the mother and we say i am your child now what happens once this connection is there the state of the mother and which they have you know achieved with great tapasya starts getting translated into all those who are connected and turned that's what the disciple one asked my god you are doing this yoga of transformation so painful how can we do it so the mother says but who is asking you to do it my child hasn't he told you that i have come for this work you have to just open yourself to me so when we go to him all that we need is sir patram <laughs> of course if the patra is small this much will come if the patra is large it will keep pouring if the patra is upturned then he will say at least put it up upward if the patra is full with water he will say please empty it like those airports empty it then go inside so if the patram is full we say oh i know so much i know so much i have done this vedanta commentary all this shurbindo let me see what you have to offer to me he'll give we will say go further <laughs> i didn't receive anything because you are so full of yourself that's why humility that's why ishapnishad says that you know he who knows knows it not and who he who has not the thought of it knows it the moment he says i have attained i have achieved par brahman never go <laughs> so and he lives like that breathes like that and so shurvinda says where shall we fix the limit of that extension is it altogether a legend which says of the buddha that as he stood on the threshold of nirvana of the non being his soul turned back and took the vow never to make the irrevocable crossing so long as there was a single being upon earth undelivered from the knot of the suffering from the bondage of the ego so this is what is maitrey amitav and you'll see it in the northern buddhism as you go towards sikkim and all these places leh ladakh you will see this mahayana the greater vehicle but go down it is that hinayana no no only that nirvana but there you will see even there is a beautiful i am forgetting was it in ladakh probably where buddha majestic he is the maitrey amitabh full of love and compassion turned towards creation how can i accept nirvana it's selfish 
Nirvana means Mahanirvana. Final merger. As long as there is a single soul which is suffering in the bondage of ignorance. <clears throat> and then last line, last para. But we can attain to the highest without blotting ourselves out from the cosmic extension. He says we don't have to cut ourselves. Actually we cannot cut ourselves. Inward detachment is a different thing. But to cut ourselves, shut ourselves in some room or somewhere and think that, you know, by that we are extending everywhere and everything is extending into us. Brahman preserves always its two terms of liberty within and of formation without, of expression and of freedom from the expression. We also, being that, Tattvamasi, now he is revealing the ultimate truth behind that statement, Tattvamasi. We are one with the being of the divine. So we too can be as the divine, free while acting in this world. This is the logic of the Jivan Mukta. We too, we also, being that, can attain to the same divine self-possession. The harmony of the two tendencies is the condition of all life that aims at being really divine. So what are these two tendencies? One is liberty of the individual. Second is the entire earth cosmic extension. So he says, Liberty pursued by exclusion of the thing exceeded leads along the path of negation to the refusal of that which God has accepted. Just imagine. When we go there and say, See, finally I have come. What will Krishna say? Oh, I see. Okay. But somebody else is fighting with me down there. Oh Lord. <laughs> so, how can we escape that? Why should we? If we really love the divine, this is something I have never understood. We love God, but we don't want to serve the divine. Or we want to serve him in a very limited way. If the divine is in the gutter, we should be also happy if he sends us there to clean. Let us, okay, fine, this is the job. Not that he will forever keep us in the gutter. But everything turns into his seva. Because he is everywhere, alone doing the seva. And if he lets us join his hands, it is for our good. Like Krishna lifting the Govardhan says, okay, you people also come with your lati. So he is everywhere and everything is an occasion for his worship. So he's saying, to refuse the world which God has accepted. Can there be anything without God in this creation? No, it's a logical impossibility. So he has accepted it. He could easily dissolve it. But we want to, in a hurry, remove it. Activity pursued by absorption in the act and the energy leads to an inferior affirmation and the denial of the highest. See, Avidya, Avidya is connecting again. When one is so busy with the work, one forgets the divine. So then we are denying the highest. But equally, but what God combines and synthesizes, wherefore should man insist on divorcing? To be perfect as he is perfect is the condition of his integral attainment. To be completely absorbed, that is... Um, Andham tamapravishanti avidyam upasate who are only engaged in activity restlessly forgetting the one, forgetting the divine. That is a darkness. But to withdraw into the highest, forgetting the world, that is an even greater darkness. To combine vidyancha, vidyancha, yasta dvidubhyamsa while in oneness to deal with multiplicity. As God deals with this multiplicity, Duryodhan ka meva tyago sagvi durgar khai. He deals with the multiplicity in his own way. You can't bind him to any rule. You can't tell him, sir, you are a. Don't go to Vidur. Huh? When Duryodhan has called you, he is the prince designate. Shri Krishna says, okay, okay, okay. I am like Shiva who doesn't follow rules. But I have my own way. What does he do? He goes to Vidur, where his wife is feeding him. She is so thrilled. Oh my God, you have come. Oh my God, she can't believe it. But Duryodhana has arranged for you with all those pishta, kaju, badam. He says, yes, yes, I know. I want to spend some time with you. He can't, his uh, people cannot cook that tasty meal as you can prepare. So she makes sag in a hurry and then uh, it seems that when she is feeding him banana, she is <laughs> throwing the banana, giving the peel and Sri Krishna is enjoying. Just imagine that sight. 
according to the rules, he should not have done it. He is very unsocial. This is what these liberty and activity combined together according to the rules and the laws of the manifestation. That he understands. And that's what we see here. Through avidya, the multiplicity lies our path out of the transitional, egoistic self-expression in which death and suffering predominate. Through vidya, consenting with avidya, by the perfect sense of oneness, even in that multiplicity, we enjoy integrally the immortality and the beatitude. Being one with the divine, when we act in the world, there is no death. We have discovered the secret of immortality and delight. So we'll stop here.